Well, let's just jump right in. And I, the proposed topic for this month was around self-practice and self-care, which I thought was kind of just appropriate given the online courses that I've been running. And, um, and we've also been talking about it a little bit with the mentoring group here in California. And, you know, it, it's been a topic that's been kind of revolving around me personally a little bit. So that's, that's the, you know, that's the place that, that we were going to start. I wonder if be willing to just speak to how, how your self-practice or self-care is going since the course has been over. You know, we had a conversation last week about, about recognizing like as a next step to recognizing every moment that we experience some kind of resistance to, um, taking, taking the step that we've committed to take like five minutes to meditate or, you know, 15 minutes to do, to, to do some rolling on the body or movement practice. And I just think this whole subject is so very rich and interesting and, and really gets into like human psychology and not just on a fundamental level, but also in direct relationship to like our social cultural world right now. And as, um, Westerners, uh, particularly what comes to mind is when the Dalai Lama was in the States and giving a talk, there was a question from the audience and the question was that there was this, I believe it was a gentleman who was asking the question about um, self-hatred and self-loathing and what what was the Dalai Lama's, you know, recommendation? How do we work with that? How do we overcome that? And literally the translator, there was no translation for self-hate or for self, self-loathing. There was no, like, there, there literally, he was not able to understand what the question was entirely because his, his comment ended up, you know, being something like that self-hatred is not something it's, it's, it's not a internalized concept for him and for, you know, people, I don't know what he said, but I'm, what I am adding in is I'm imagining the relationship or the difference between Western culture and Eastern culture, maybe not completely, but, um, so uh, it does make me think about this because when I, I mean, I struggle with the same things all the time, right? I balancing and it, you know, it's, we become kind of victim to the violence of multitasking and needing to achieve something and be seeking approval. And, um, and, and all of this, in my experience comes back to a sense of like, when I don't make the time, so I have the choice, I set the commitment. And then in the moment I have the choice to either sit and meditate or often for me, it's a choice between taking care of myself and working, doing some kind of work or cleaning the house or doing something that could very easily not be done. And the question that arises is, well, why, why am I not good enough? Why, why do not, why do I not see I have enough value to do this thing for myself? And I just think it's an interesting tie-in to kind of our 
belief about ourselves versus our belief about the value of other people or things or people or situations outside of ourselves. And it makes me realize that as we were talking about Senta, in the moment where we experience resistance or we notice that there is a story or a negative um, belief that comes up about why we shouldn't do the thing that we set out to do to take care of ourselves, then the the reminder is can be something like what we discussed, and I think we discussed in the course was, I'm the kind of person who takes care of themselves. I'm the kind of person who sees that I am a value. I'm the kind of person who wants to be healthy and strong so that I can be healthy and strong for others. Or I'm worthy of time and attention. I am worthy of taking care of my body. You know, I have enough value, enough worth to do this thing for myself. And it's okay to put it above other things because the knowledge is that I, I know that when I'm better, then I can be better for other people. And I, I just think it's such an interesting piece of why we end up not committing or sticking to the commitment. And perhaps just, as I said, in the beginning of this, you know, oration, (laughs) that it, it might be a next step in responding differently. And we won't always, right? We just won't always respond differently. And then we have to extend some self-compassion and allow ourselves to start over, but that we can start. Yeah, it keeps me, um, what I notice is that it does keep me small and, um, small in terms of my, uh, my self-image as a teacher, um, and, like, when I was working out this morning, I was, um, I, you know, it's like I'm tracking myself. And um, what I realized when I stepped away is, like, well, there you have it. There's liquid confidence, you know. Yeah. If you want confidence, then you just go sit on a, get on the reformer, or, you know, just start doing it. And then you'll see what you know, and um, and there's your confidence. There it is. It's right there. It's not in the resistance and the you know uh, the story and all the you know worry and I'm not good enough and da da da. But you want confidence, you know where to get it. Just uh-huh. go in your little studio and, <laughs> and get some. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and it really, it, it really is that easy. It really is that yeah. easy. And we, you know, I think okay. you, I think you said, I believe you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, because if you didn't say it, then what I often hear people say is it's hard, right? It's hard to commit to self practice. It's hard to you know, take time for myself. And it's like, it's really not hard at all. That's just a belief that we have. We have a belief that it's hard. So maybe if, if that's our belief, we can, we can step back and begin to look at, well, what feels hard about it? What's the, you know, peel the layers back a little bit. Like what it feels hard because I've got so many other responsibilities. It's like, okay, well that may be true, but they're not all equal, 
right? They're not all equal. And so why is it that I choose some things above others? Well, I feel like I should, you know, spend time with my kids because otherwise... I think what's hard is that the motivation is not outer-directed. It has to come from within. So, you know, it's like it's, it's just a different orientation. Yeah. And, um, I mean, ideally you'd be coming from within all the time, but but often we're not. We're outer-directed and we're, you know... Um, defining ourselves by external uh, value and um, rather than um, internal motivation. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. What I would also just say again is, is it to ask yourself, is it really hard? Like, is it really hard? Like what? Because that doesn't feel like that's entirely what it is. It might be it's. There's fear. Yeah, you know, I'm saying the, the yeah the psychological part is much harder than the physical. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So prioritizing the resistance, sure. And and just my my only point is to get us to see our look at our thoughts and our words in relationship to this self care self practice and to not just take our thoughts and our words at face value, right? But always to question what the belief is and whether or not we can really know if it's true or if it's some, there's something else there. Anyways, that, that, that may, would take us into a very, you know, tangential but valuable conversation, but not today. Your experience with self-practice since either during the course or since the course I'm going to start a little bit um, during the course, which is um, I noticed that the journaling and self-reflection aspect of self-practice has been the most beneficial for me Mm -hmm. in terms of it's led to a lot of little as well as big shifts in my thinking, and I was able to process a lot of what happened to me and what I experienced during my Pilates teacher training Mm -hmm. and since that and, and a whole bunch of experiences and it's been extremely transformed. I've experienced a big transformation in, in my thinking and I just found that I'm interacting with people and life differently and that mm. it's like there's some kind of different vibe and I'm feeling more confident and secure in myself. Yeah. And um, one of the key things is and um, we were talking about this I think um when in our email exchanges, Chantal, about um what it meant to be um vulnerable. And yes. for me it turns out one of the things um which helped me realize is just taking the time to experience my feelings is an act of vulnerability which I did not realize before. Yeah. And I've been making it a practice mm. to do that. And I found that now it's kind of, it's not automatic, but it's happening without me having to consciously be practicing it all the time. Mm -hmm. And the number of symptoms and like flare-ups and negative thoughts and and all of that seems to have reduced. And I just have more space in my life now for a lot of, you know, other exciting opportunities I want to pursue. Yes. Mm. And it's 
it's like I have like magic in my life now. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. The other thing I wrote here, which I, I found myself doing today, um, I was thinking about all the activities that I used to do when I was younger when I didn't have to worry about making food and all the cleanup and shopping and household stuff and working and how we're going to pay the bills, where my parents took care of that for me. I just had to go to school, do my homework, and I had all this free time, and I used to write stuff, I used to do art, and I used to read. And for quite a while now, I've been telling myself I don't actually have time for those things anymore, and it's, and it's not worth the time because there's so many other things that need to be done. And then I came to the conclusion today that those things make me happy mm. and that I'm going to make time every week to just experience it and just reconnect with that joy that I once had with it. Yes. Oh, and one other thing. Um, so with regard to the movement practice aspect of self-practice, I haven't actually tried the clips um the videos that were part of the course yet mm-hmm. but i did actually start participating in activities other than or movement types other than pilates mm-hmm. where i joined up with some um, circuit start classes and area area yoga mm-hmm. and i found them so much fun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was different challenges and i got to use my pilates training in in you know, just doing those activities. And I found that, one, I was, I had uh, a bias against yoga, (laughs) 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 which was unfair. And um, one of the reasons that I actually decided to try yoga, well, not just yoga on its own, but the aerial yoga, is because um, of something you said, Chantal, about, um, you know, it's how you were telling me before about, it wasn't just that it was Pilates, it was, you know, movement in general. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, um, and I pondered that and I decided to try it because I found that in the circus arts, I really liked the working with the silks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just found it all to be awesome. <laughs> well, that's a lot. That's great. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing. I feel like there was something that came to mind. Um, well, the piece about being vulnerable, I think, is really um, moving and very sweet and so awesome. And and it's it's the work it's work that we all really could do, and perhaps ties directly into. Well, I, I think for sure it ties into this idea of self care, and also might reflect for some of us toward movement practice or being physical or putting ourselves in, you know, new situations or even situations that challenge us physically, emotionally, mentally, there is a vulnerability that if we can possess it and open ourselves up to it really does give us such a light experience, right? Like releases some of the weight and burden of feeling weighed down by our, um, defenses or, um, you know, feeling like we have to put on a brave face all the time or whatever it might be. So I really appreciate your your feedback, um, and speaking to that, 
directly. The movement practice piece, certainly it's Pilates is not the only thing in the world, right? It's just a thing and it is, it is really quite wonderful and beautiful for so many, for achieving so many wonderful benefits. And yet it's, it's not, you know, any kind of nurturing, taking care of being in and experiencing the body is really the practice and every day could look a little different. Um, could be, you know, whether it's in a group class that we're actually going out and taking a hike or we're taking a, an aerial yoga class or we're in a Pilates class or we're stretching and just doing something, you know, on the floor at home, all of those things. It's the act of deciding to move our bodies, right? Honoring ourselves and our bodies by just deliberately engaging in in using the body. And I think that's, and intentionally using the body, right? Very intentionally using it to strengthen it or to feel good in it or to connect to uh, presence, right? Just being present in the moment. The body is such a beautiful gateway for that. And I think we, we can overlook that. Um, so it's just, I, I am so grateful to hear from both of you that it's very cool the way it's happened today that you both were in the course. And so feels serendipitous that we have an opportunity to kind of bring it, um, back around and to explore this idea of self-care. Um, early on when you were talking, Santa, or before we even started, I was thinking, about, oh, maybe it was because I had mentioned this idea of, um, self-loathing or self-hatred and that as being a possible reason, excuse for not living up to our commitments to ourselves. The other thing I was thinking, and I'm not sure maybe either of you, if you are willing or interested in giving me some feedback on what you think about this, but, um, I, we did do a podcast, another podcast that I launched last night, the thinking Pilates podcast with Deborah Colway and another teacher from, um, North Carolina, Melissa Kakavis. And one of the things that Deborah, who's my co-host has said, uh, on multiple occasions in regard to the current topic for the podcast, which is on working with a consistent framework, uh, specifically the original Pilates orders, is that there is something very nurturing to the nervous system when we can single-mindedly focus and on something that is familiar and consistent, and that there's so much power in that in terms of quieting us, as you've said, Santa, from the inside and, you know, letting that reflect outward. But I think that, because this, so this is my experience and you can tell me if it feels like it's relevant at all to either of you, is that the conflict for me often in the moment where I'm deciding to live up to my commitment or not, is that I feel very drawn to, well, I want it to be you know, I either want to be doing something else. I want to be working. I want to be, um, multitasking, right? I'm doing multiple things. It's like, it's hard for me sometimes to just 
do one thing when my, my lower mind, right. My kind of ego based monkey mind is telling me that, but you could do, but if you aren't, if you don't sit and meditate or if you don't practice and move, do your movement practice, then you could be doing the dishes and sending an email while feeding your daughter. It's like, I could do all three of those things. I do them often all at once. And yet there is like, that feels like, again, as I said earlier in the conversation, a little bit like I am doing violence to myself. And I am certainly not giving my nervous system an opportunity to soften and to ground. And so when we choose to do our self-care and our self-practice, there it is an opportunity to be single-mindedly focused on one thing and one thing only. And um, and and that I think alone is a very that's that is what I find to be challenging often is to not want to do many things at once or even to be want it to be not boring. Like if I'm doing the same practices over and over again, there's some resistance in me about wanting it to be new and interesting and creative, which I now have come to believe and experience that that's really that desire is just another way of experiencing more rather than being willing to settle in and just dive deeply into one practice and see where it will take me. I had a therapist tell me in my 20s that I had a kaleidoscopic focus. <laughs> and, and that's a nice way of talking about ADD, I suppose. <laughs> but I kind of like how she said that. And um, But um, for me, um, one of the big challenges I've had in my life is that, um, and, it, and I have come to realize that it's a strategy, which is um, a strategy to not put both feet in, fully into the one, into one thing. And so it's not a conscious strategy. It's not like saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in five directions at once and land on my feet, you know, do flips and land on my feet. Um, but I, so it's, what it's done has been very challenging for me to get from point A to point B because, and Chantal, I know you, you know me well enough by now to know that this is true. And when we started a coaching, mentoring kind of thing, at some point you said, no, you cannot take any other classes or do anything until you complete this thing. Yeah. And believe it or not, I have given it uh, my best shot at not doing it. And and still to this point, I have it has been such a struggle and to you know just work. Uh, you know, having money issues and this and that. So I've had to do you know something, but I. What it is, is I think um, for me, I think is a big healing. I also, when I was younger, was very able, much more able to multitask. And now, not so much. And um, But for me, it's kind of scary to 
put both feet into one thing um, because, you know, it's almost like uh, if you're doing two or three things, there's always a back door. Well, if this doesn't work out, this will or, you know, um, uh, you're just not quite as wholehearted about something if you are divided into several directions. Mm-hmm. And to, to get it more into an issue of presence, like if you're talking on the phone and, and knitting and watching a football game and um, mm-hmm. have dinner on the stove, like, you know, how present can you really be? It's more like an obstacle course. How many balls can I juggle? You know, there's something else going on rather than, um, you know, being fully present. Yeah, great. Yeah, thank you for that. It's true. I feel like what's involved in in this putting two feet in is trust, right? So the ability to trust in the decision that you've made rather than doubting the decision you've made and therefore not actually putting both feet in and creating that back door as you're talking about. Okay, um, I had some thoughts about um, the topic that you mentioned, and I just, I remember how I used to, you know, when I first started doing Pilates, I would actually overdo each exercise, which mm-hmm. instead of doing something like 10 reps, I would do 20 reps or more, and I would not get bored, actually. Mm-hmm. And I would just keep trying to perfect the exercise and trying to fast track my progress <laughs> I would probably exhausted my nervous system when I would keep doing that uh-huh. and it's taken me time to learn to basically stick to say an hour or 20 minutes to do just a set of ec- to do all of the exercises but with less repetition mm-hmm. and I've I basically found a different focus point for my desire to, you know, do do well or to improve, which is I just basically pick a few focus points. Like, I might just want to always keep, for every exercise, I just keep relaxing my flexors or other things. Mm-hmm. And that, I just find that really satisfying. Yeah. And at the same time, it leads, at the end of the session, my nervous system is happy yes. and not overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. Beautifully said and so true. And uh, built into the method itself that we don't do, rarely, rarely do we do more than 10 of anything. And usually it's three to six, eight and 10 on the outside. So built into the method is this is this plan to uh, focus on quality and depth of, of breath, right? And this so that it does become very invigorating to the body and yet settling and, and nurturing to the nervous system. And I think it's many, many of us who approach Pilates either do what you do, which is to work very hard to perfect a movement, which as it sounds like, you know, now is not the, it's not the objective, right? The objective is to experience the movement um, with as much balance and efficiency as possible, not to perfect the movement, especially from an, an external view. Um, or what we do is we we work the 10 
eight to 10 repetitions with 200% effort, which then again, overtaxes the nervous system, as you're saying, as well as the musculoskeletal system and, and throws things out of whack and often overly fatigues us. And, and then we end up, um, we end up moving in a way that is habitual rather than um, highly focused and conscious and more balanced with alignment and that effort and ease. So, yeah, I think we can swing very far in either direction of, of not, of being very waylaid and off, you know, put off course and not doing anything to overdoing it and overdoing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So certainly it is for each of us to identify where we feel like we typically fall on that spectrum and move towards balance, right? It's a metaphor for life, I think, and everything that we engage in. It's certainly a metaphor or, and yeah, for, for Pilates specifically. Um, well, it is Pilates specifically. It's not a metaphor for, but can be a metaphor for all of these other things is to where to recognize where we are on the spectrum and then move toward balance to move toward balance. And it's interesting because self practice and self care is also self compassion and self love, right? Those things are Mm -hmm. what bring us back to our center, the literal center, our mental, emotional center, our physical center. So yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm, I feel like that's a great place to end. I wanted to say in closing too, that, um, again, about the, the thinking Pilates podcast posed a question, in fact, on the online course about being, um, injury and Pilates. I did actually pose the question on, in the podcast towards the end, because it felt very relevant when we were talking about using the framework of the original orders and the conversation was going in the direction of safety. And, um, so I would encourage you to listen to the thinking Pilates podcast, which you can find on the skillful teaching website, um, under podcast. Uh, but I think you might find it really informative and interesting. So I just wanted to put that out there.